Welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we delve into movies, uh, TV shows, anything related to pop culture, or anything remotely interesting, I guess, <laughs> at this stage. Uh, my name is Ivan, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Amit. And today, we'll be mostly focusing on Wonder Woman 1984, which just saw its release on, I was about to say Disney+, Plus, but on, on HBO Max. Um, and if you're lucky enough to be somewhere where, I guess, COVID isn't rampaging its way through your community, then maybe you might have the privilege of watching this in the movie theater somewhere. So let's, um, without further ado, let's let's get right into it. Yeah, and I guess we can start off with uh, just general news. I don't think there was that much. It's not the same type of week where Disney's releasing everything, but uh, Disney did release the new movie Soul, uh, which I think got some pretty good reviews, so that's going to be worth checking out. We might do a little review here as well. I heard it's sadder than... Um... Well, not a bug's life. What am I saying? Uh, the um, bug's life. the one about the emotions. What's it called? Inside Out. Inside Out. There you go. I gotta watch that one too. So I'm a little behind in my Pixar. <laughs> what you haven't seen Inside? Okay, well, all right. The, you, you, yeah, you should watch it. <laughs> I got busy with Clone Wars and all those shows. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, other big news: Stanley's birthday was yesterday. As the the day we're recording this, twelve twenty eight would have been ninety eight years old this year. So, big shout out to Stan. Everyone everyone put up their post for missing him and and everything. He uh, he really changed the game for comic books. R I P Stanley. I still regret not meeting him at that last comic con I, I was in. Yeah, you messed up. It was like three hours wait. You know, in retrospect, it just makes me sound so whiny, but still, <laughs> <laughs> I could have met a legend if I just had more patience. Yeah, and then I think the only other big thing, like we uh, like we plan to talk about here, Wonder Woman eighty four. Like you said, it was out in theaters as well as HBO Max. Uh, so it looks like the opening weekend saw thirty six million worldwide. Um, so obviously not a great for any movie, but it does top the charts for the pandemic time, and it's also the first Wonder Woman saw. I gotta double check this number, but it, it said 102 million in my first search. So, I mean, roughly a third of what the original did. You gotta wonder, like, this would have probably broke some DC records if it was normal times, right? Yeah. Did did the first Wonder Woman break a billion? I feel like this probably would have, or at least had the momentum to do it. Um, if obviously for obvious reasons it, it it wouldn't do it now, but I think it might have actually the first one. It looks like it was 820 million. Worldwide. Okay, so it came close. Yeah. The, you know what? I'm confusing it with Aquaman. Aquaman released around a similar time and exploded for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool to see that people still want to go to theaters. I mean, obviously want to play it safe and whatnot, but um, it's cool to see that it's still able to rake in a lot of money at the box office. So that's probably not going to be an immediate thing that goes away after uh, after the vaccine and everything comes out. So that's promising to see. Do you find it a little weird that they're reporting box office numbers given the circumstance that we're currently in? Yeah, it does put a number to how many people had to have gone out for that. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, I keep seeing a lot of articles spinning this as like, oh, it, it's bombing at the box office. Well, no doubt, buddy. There's no box office right now to... to oh, I view that as a huge number for... Yeah, it, it Being beat, a pandemic. <laughs> I think this is like three times the amount that Tenet made, which was Warner Brothers. Um, I think they were they were um, they were really counting on Tenet to be the one to attract people back to theaters. Yeah, and especially like Christmas is 
a pretty big movie holiday, um, movie yeah. theater holiday. So I'm very surprised that, especially given the fact that it's also on HBO. So given the choice between a free option and a paying option, I'm surprised that number is not smaller. Yeah, I feel like this is the big spectacle movie that everybody wanted to watch in theaters. Like, truth be told, like I loved watching it in the comfort of my home, but I definitely would not have mind shelling out the money if the circumstances were different. Yeah, I think this one would have paid off on the big screen a little bit better. Um, just some of the action and and some of the like intense moments there, I think, would have been way better on a big screen. Yeah, but I guess let's just let's let's delve into it and. Uh... I think we're we're mixing things up a little bit for this, right? Uh, we haven't really tackled a structured format. We're experimenting here and there, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we'll we'll just start off with uh, general takes, recommend uh, or not recommend, general grades for the movie, and just stay away from any spoilers. Uh, so the first half of this episode should be pretty safe if you haven't already seen it. Um, and personally, I think um, I think I'll start off with a great. I, I kind of have two grades for this. I would, as a standalone like superhero movie, I'd give it like a B plus rating. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but as part of like the DC Cinematic Universe, where it's supposed to be part of like a Wonder Woman trilogy or like part of like the Justice League um, universe, there, I, I would knock a few points and give it like a B minus. There's just some continuity between the first Wonder Woman and now, and then just some like general not setting up all the rules and breaking rules pretty quickly that just knocks a few points for me. Um, what about you? I enjoyed it. I feel like there was a lot of little nitpicks, I guess, that you can kind of poke into it. But um, And it took me a second viewing because, uh, you know, you and I kind of talked about this offline, but I, I feel like there's stuff that I missed that I thought I, I had an issue with the first go-around, um, that the second go-around I actually appreciate it a lot a lot better um i would recommend that nobody go in there with the expectation that you're about to see like a cinematic masterpiece right but i think it works as a sequel um and it also but it also doesn't really like um play up the established lore a lot um and we can get into it once we you know get a little bit more into the weeds on it but i thought for for one i thought the first two acts were very strong they conveyed the message of the film very well i think the third act for me is where it starts getting a little bit um muddled down but you know i think ultimately they're just just certain little plot elements that i had issues with but you know ultimately they kind of boil down to nitpicks um but i think that my biggest thing is would just be like there's the, the steve and diana stuff fantastic um great character development for for diana great character development for steve um i wish they would have had that a little bit more balanced out by doing the same for the villains yeah i also agree that my first viewing, I was a little let down or a little disappointed in it. And then the second viewing, I gave myself you know, two, three days before I watched it a second time where I had time to think about it and, and kind of hear some other people's opinions. And then when going going back into it, that's when I really started appreciating it and taking down like all these notes for this. That's when I started to really like it. So I think it's one of those movies that you kind of just have to watch through once just to get the general plot and general idea of it. And then the second viewing will give you that opportunity to be like, ooh, here's all these details that I missed, like all the foreshadowing that they had tried to work in here. Because uh, I, th I think that was their only downfall is their foreshadowing is a little too subtle. Um, not that you want a plot to be you know, too overt or too obvious for an audience to pick up on it and easily predict where it's going. 
but some of the stuff just was like way too small to have noticed in real time. But yeah, I, I totally recommend this to to everyone. Either, I mean, obviously the diehard comic book fans have already seen it, but anyone who's like a casual fan or or somebody who like feels like they were burned by like an Aquaman or another DC movie in the past, it's not. It's probably on par with the first Wonder Woman. It's either just above or just below or just that good as, I would say. Yeah, one thing I'll note here, um, I, I, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on this movie, and they came from the camp of friends that I have that, you know, some of them that are really, really into these movies came out really criticizing this movie. And, you know, and, and, fo- and some folks that didn't really care for the first one came out really supporting this one. One thing I'll say especially because of the hybrid nature of this release that you have the HBO max option, like go ahead and watch it. Like don't, I, I wouldn't get too muddled into the detail of hearing somebody else's opinion on that. Just, you know, to, to kind of exemplify what you think you're going to feel about it, uh, go into it with an open mind. And I feel like you're really going to enjoy it. Cause at the end of the day, I feel like I have my nitpicks on it, but I think it's a really solid fun time to have, especially if you have a group of people with you. Cause I feel like this is very much popcorn flick. Type. yeah it's also a limited time right it's only out until like june mm, 20 i want to say january 21st or sometime around then um, yeah it's it's uh hbo max exclusive for i think uh 30 days and then i'm pretty sure like six months down the road they'll add it back in but um it's right but you you don't want to be in the boat or like you kept putting it off and then ended up missing it and now you have to wait six months yeah and you don't have to. There's like free trials. So if you don't have HBO Max, you could go ahead, sign up for it, watch it, have your seven day trial, give yourself a couple of views of Wonder Woman. Maybe stick around, hopefully stick around for ATT's sake, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I think yeah, we both recommend it. I think this movie does a really good job at putting mo- multiple females in leading roles. So it's refreshing to see and it's see that it's like getting support and will promote other movies to follow that lead. Yeah, I feel like we're getting closer and closer to breaking the Hollywood mold of women can't lead action movies because you can't really say that. I, I think you, could, you there you shouldn't be able to say that after Force Awakens kind of beat that point first. But you know. yeah, and what we're seeing is definitely like the same thing that would be as if a man was in the lead. It's the it's the person that you cast. Um, like right. everyone loves Gal Gadot. A lot of people like Daisy Ridley, uh, who played Ray in Force Awakens. Not everyone loved Brie Larson, so I think that's kind of where you see like maybe Captain Marvel fails a little bit. And then obviously, yeah, it also has to do with the plot of the movie, whether a man or a woman is taking the lead. It's it, it needs good writing behind it, which I think we got in this one. I think the writing was actually pretty decent for a superhero movie. Yeah, I. Look, I think one of the the core he, he, here's here's where I kind of where I kind of view things, right? Because I feel like there's in speaking about the negative view of it, like I, I saw a lot of it on social media that at first was a little bit overwhelming <laughs> uh, to kind of see. But I think that the what people are having a problem with is like the I, I saw some complaints about the tone, like oh, Wonder Woman shouldn't be this campy. I'm like, I don't really know what character you're looking at, man, because uh, <laughs> that's kind of been that's comic book characters at their core, right? Like, there's a nice little balance of camp and, and seriousness. I don't think any solid comic book character is like 100% serious. And I think you, you and I kind of spoke about this offline, but I had a buddy of mine that watched it um, 
I think it was like a screener or something a couple weeks ago, but he told me it was very Richard Donner like. I didn't quite know what he meant by it until after I saw it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like the first, especially the first um, couple of opening sequences, right? You, it, it does have that Superman one and two vibe. Yeah, it does uh, for sure. I, yeah, and I think these movies kind of have to have that aesthetic, especially if you're going for an '80s movie. Yeah, this one embraced it all the way, and I feel like that's what are catching some people off guard. I guess I don't really know why, right? It's it, even from the trailers, you 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 get that vibe. So I'm glad that it's embracing it, and I think people are just misconstruing it as like, oh, you completely changed the character of Wonder Woman. That, that I think because good. it's such a contrast to World War One when she was introduced, like she was down in the trench warfare fighting mustard gas like <laughs> of course it's gonna be a little bit more lighthearted than that yeah well th- that's interesting because i feel like there's there's two characters in in wonder woman right there's wonder woman the warrior the one that's you know kind of like a visual for the military per se right and then there's wonder woman the the peacemaker the the, the one that's more of a humanitarian yeah yeah so the, we get Wonder Woman more so the humanitarian in this movie than we get the warrior. Um, but it, it's great because these these two movies kind of play off of each other that, in that way. You get to see both layers of the character. Yeah. A character that doesn't ever really get that fleshed out in other mediums. So I, you know, I for one, I, th- I think especially watching these two back to back, they complement each other really well. Yeah. And let's uh, let's leave it there for the people that haven't seen the movie. So we're going to get into character arcs and specific scenes. So if you haven't seen the movie and you plan to, uh, and you don't want spoilers, definitely pause this podcast, come back to it later. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get into it. So let's start, like you said before, we're going to do a little bit different format where instead of breaking down specific scenes, we're just going to talk about the, I guess, lead characters. And there's really four to talk about. Um, Diana and Steve being on the good side and then Barbara and Maxwell being on the bad side. So let's start with Diana. I think I think she's got a really good arc in this movie, and especially when you look at it from Wonder Woman one to Wonder Woman two, um, like we were ju- like just talking about, going from being this like wide-eyed, innocent, uh, naive uh, soldier. I guess, yeah, she was pretty militant, like pretty soldier-esque uh, in the first movie to now she's like cultured she has a job that like lets her you know study what she wants but also fight crime in the shadows uh i i really like where they have set her up at the beginning of the movie yeah she's very much in the vein of like the i guess like a a different answer to to, to a clark kent looking character yeah you know, like you're not the intrepid reporter it's more of like the she's basically a mix of like an archaeologist and a curator because she's a curator for art in the later films but or in the films that take place later on in the timeline but it's nice to see the progression of the the character because you definitely do see the growth that she's had from the end of the first one into the into here yeah i uh i think it's very much so set up to be like a clark kent where you have your job by day and then fighting in the shadows by night. Uh, and I like the fighting style that they had her doing in the beginning. It's very Linda Carter-like 
from the original Wonder Woman TV show, um, which the, obviously she gets her own little cameo after the credits. So I, I think that's you know a good way to pay homage to her. Did you notice the little Easter eggs in Diana's apartment of the first Wonder Woman movie? Yeah. Uh, you mean in this movie? Yeah, From, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was the um, the photo of her with what's her name, Etta, the candy or something like that. Yeah. Steve's assistant, or they're on a boat or something. She's visibly much older than the last time we saw her. Yeah. Then you have a picture of her at Steve's parents' ranch. So she clearly uh, did some backtracking to see where Steve grew up. Yeah. She had the little memorial for him. She had like headlines from World War One, with like Ludendorff's death, and then pictures of World War Two. So I guess we have to assume that she got involved during that fight as well. Yeah, yeah, I think there was a picture of her like freeing uh, folks from a concentration camp. I couldn't. I, I have to go back and pause it because, like in real time, I couldn't spot her. I just saw the prisoners getting freed. Yeah, she's in the back. She's out of focus in the shot, but she's—I think she's there. How many pictures does she have leaked of her from past fights? Like, <laughs> that's like her biggest weakness. Like, no one can find me and see that I don't age. And then she keeps getting letting people take her photograph. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how that plays out for her. Because, like, is she? How is she hiding her identity per se? Because she definitely is in that opening sequence. She destroys the security cameras. Yeah, which... the, re- the report says like this mysterious woman now has credit for like a dozen, whatever it was like acts of kindness or like breaking up the scenes type of thing yeah shout out to the 80s and the disposable camera and the lack of uh reflex <laughs> and being able to dish one out and take a picture real quick yeah but i think they did a great job with her arc being similar to a superman or to a spider-man uh it's like that classic superhero uh plot where she has to lose her powers to find like inner strength and then that from that she becomes a stronger and like kind person so i think that was something I really enjoyed watching because they did it in her own way without being so obvious like a spare man, you know? Yeah, it took me a little minute to fi- to figure out that she was losing her powers as a result of her making um her wish. Yeah, the first watch, it kind of went over my head uh, until it was like very obviously talked about. Um, so that's why like, I appreciated the second watch. Yeah, the the second watch, uh, someone pointed out to me the the scene with the lock, which is having trouble opening it. Yeah, I thought that was like he just had like a much stronger lock on the door because that's what Steve said. So I was like, yeah. oh, he's like safeguarded his like building from superheroes breaking it. <laughs> but no, she's just losing her powers because she still ripped it out of the concrete. So I'm like, she's not weak. It must just been a strong bolt. Yeah, you know, but I the the concept of it too, like I, it's. How many years has it been, I guess, since World War One? It's like 80 years or so since the end of the first movie. Right? Am I thinking about that wrong? Or 70 years? Something 70, like yeah. 70. Okay. So definitely one, one thing that kind of stood out to me is like the character progression in this movie is like she's she's doing the best that she can be, but she's alone. Like everybody that she's known seemingly is, is dead at this point. Yeah, and she in her conversation with Barbara when they go out for drinks the first time they meet is like, I don't put myself out there. I don't hang out with people socially. I'm a bit of a hermit. And Barbara is like stunned by that. But it's like 
she, I think what she's doing is she just doesn't want to meet new people because she knows she'll like she'll lose them, and that's just always just leads to hurt. Which I think comes like full circle towards the end of this, where she's like, okay, maybe I can meet more than just the people I knew in the past. Yeah, it's gotta suck though, like living for that long, and like the people you come to care about are just you're just gonna outlive them at every point. Yeah, I mean, she could talk to um, Aragorn's wife in uh, in Lord of the Rings because <laughs> she was an elf and last forever. So I guess just have grandkids and they'll have kids, and then you can always <laughs> know them. Jeez. That's a that's a depressing um, aspect, though. Like I, I I can't I can't fathom that. Yeah, it's it's definitely one that like you don't really think about for these immortal heroes that often because they all had like especially like looking at like a Zeus her like her father he had all of the other gods to keep him company forever and she's kind of just alone here you find it weird that she never um moved on i guess from Steve. well not weird right but like feel she 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 got stuck in that like she obviously fell in love with this guy um but i guess part of the whole point of the movie too is like you have to be prepared to let things go yeah, I'm a little upset that she never moved on from Steve. I thought it was a little too much like Captain America and Peggy Carter. Like they only knew each other for a few days. Like in in Diana's case, she only knew Steve for three days. That was seventy years ago. <laughs> and then as soon as he's back in the in the picture in this movie, she's like, I gotta figure out why this rock brought my boyfriend back. Like, wait, what? Like it might sound normal to him because he like went from being close to her skipping ahead to now but she had 70 years there where she constantly just like over romanticized the past well i feel like that that kind of goes to show the the true love kind of aspect of it right because i like get you make a good point in comparing it to steve and peggy over at marvel um and ultimately we see what the end game is for them <laughs> um i gotta wonder though like is it is it maybe a little bit of a crutch because i feel like she's i love how they developed her character a lot I just would kind of want it to be a little bit past just developing her alongside Steve. You get what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot more they could have done with the character where they don't focus on the Steve character too much and just kind of gave her her own kind of problem to solve up on her own. Yeah, I I thought about that too. I just don't want to create this like double standard that because she's a female led movie that she can't have like a romantic tie to it. Because we're okay that Captain America has a romantic tie and like pretty much every other movie too has some sort of romantic fused plot to it. So it's like, just cause she's leading the movie doesn't mean like she doesn't like get to follow that same plot structure. So I uh, get it makes sense. It's just like, I don't know. It's tough to say like it's true love because they only knew each other for a couple days. It clearly was though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like, damn like three days and then you're like yeah i can stretch that over 70 years <laughs> yeah that's a lot but i mean like it, it's also like first loves are kind of a forgettable kind of thing although uh, speaking from personal experience damn i got a little too real for us here all right <laughs> let's move on uh the last point i would make on diana's arc is i enjoyed the and this definitely goes to the to the villains as well. But I like that she wasn't fighting like an Ares-like villain this movie. 
because that was the downfall of the last movie is like it was just like a swirling tornado of garbage and metal in their fight which was like hard to follow so i really enjoyed that like they toned it down and they brought in just like a a fresh perspective of what an enemy could be and it's just like the greed of the common person like overcoming that yeah she she had an interesting arc when and i feel like it's also kind of a balance with wonder woman right because you her whole thing is hope and love and compassion and truth and truth yeah (laughs) truth is very liberating (laughs) all we have it kind of is though <laughs> i know i mock that but it's just like it it was a little of a stretch for the little plot. Those, yeah 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 no i i, I liked her arc I, I feel like they fleshed her out a lot more uh in this movie than they had a chance to in the last one obviously because you've established certain things at this point um i just wish we could have spent a little bit more time uh fleshing her out on her own <laughs> you know like i, I think a, a perfect structure would have been like to implement the steve thing in the third movie and kind of use this one to challenge her with something a little bit different i i agree though like she shouldn't be restricted in terms of like not having a love interest per se i just feel like it's at there's points where i feel like maybe overusing it becomes a little bit of a visual crutch yeah i don't know how much they can devote like how much screen time they can devote to her like everyday routine because they gave us like one day and i'm sure like every day is kind of like that where she like goes to work fights crime and then goes out to dinner alone. <laughs> like, I think that's kind of her routine. I'd like to see that. <laughs> Just like on repeat for a week. Yeah. That's <laughs> pretty much like, my routine too. <laughs> they, yeah, they could have done like a, like one of those like repeat type of Groundhog Day type. To drive home the point. Quick cuts. Like, yeah, oh, like hitting the alarm, then at work, then like busting someone. I guess, I don't know. That would have been a totally different tone of, of shooting though. I like that we we're, we're getting a balance and fleshing her out in that sense because like like I said before, um, she's in the comics she's very much both. She's the peace peacemaker. She's also the um the the warrior. She's the one out of the trinity of DC, the top three DC dogs that doesn't mind necessarily killing right, but it has to be for the right reason. Um, whereas yeah. I feel like Batman and Superman are these like higher up on the pedestal of morality kind of thing. And it becomes a little bit more, I guess, stale. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's move on to Steve. I feel like there wasn't too much a development for him because at the beginning, I mean, obviously aside from coming back to life, but from last movie, he pretty much was just like, I just got to do whatever it is to get the job done. And I'm okay with like making the sacrifice play and, and dying for it. And that's kind of where his character ended this one. So it wasn't so much a character development as it was just like, let's lighten the tone of the movie a little bit. Let's have a little bit of comedy in this. Um, I like, and Chris Pine's a a really strong actor for this too. Like the way that the chemistry between him and Gal Gadot is incredible. And it's, it's, it it really sells. Like I, I honestly could have watched a whole 40 minute sequence of them just like going around seeing what the 1980s looks like versus you know back when when steve was around yeah and i also think they did like a good little without saying it a good callback to the first movie where when they were in that like courtyard dancing in the first movie and they were like well what do people do when it's not times of war and steve was like i don't know they go to work they just like have families or whatever 
it kind of felt like this is what their life could have been like outside of war. Yeah. Um, like when they go back to the back to the random guy's apartment that he has inhabited, it kind of felt like that's what they could have been like uh, just a couple, you know? Right. Right. It's like making up for lost time. That whole little sequence there. I, I, I enjoyed the, uh, <laughs> the montage of him trying on different outfits, mirroring Diana's, um, all, all montage of also trying on different outfits. In the yeah. Background. Yeah. Do you feel like they, I think they kind of walked into like a Thor Ragnarok type of mistake with the trailer where they give away some of their better jokes. It just doesn't hit as hard when it's on the screen, you know? I feel, I, I do kind of think that, but I think it has more to do with the fact that this movie has taken so long to release <laughs> that I feel like every trailer that comes out has the same footage spliced in. So I feel like I've seen it too many times. Not so much that I feel like I've seen too much of it, but I've seen it too many times for me to appreciate that scene to level that, that I probably would have if, um, you know, I hadn't seen it seven, eight different ways cut. Yeah, that's fair. I, I guess it's just like, I don't think you should give away some of your best jokes in the trailer. I, I know I you have to like real audiences, audiences right. in, but you're going to guess no matter what. <laughs> I'll say though, that like a lot of the key Steve stuff is not in the trailers. Like there's a lot of big yeah. ones here that aren't, uh, I think the most impactful scene though, for me is the, is that um, when, when wonder woman renounces her wish. Yeah. That was a scene that actually got me kind of emotional. <laughs> it gave me the feels for sure, yeah. Right, like I, that was very powerful for me because I was like, oh damn! Like the first time she loses Steve, it's out of her control. Second time she loses Steve, it's you know she she's making the call and like the the call that like he said has to be done. Yeah, she can uh, he can save the day. She can save the world or something like that. She can Doesn't save really... the DC franchise from <laughs> obliteration. <laughs> Here's the, here's the one though for Steve's plot that I think uh, yeah you and I and I've heard a few other opinions also have problems with. How does he know how to fly a modern plane? <laughs> and also, why is it fueled up to go around the world twice? <laughs> yeah, I so the oddly enough, the first time I saw it, I was like, okay, all right, makes sense. They're sneaking into an airport and it made sense the first time. No, no, so I, I misread that whole thing. I was like, they're sneaking onto an airport and taking this plane. Right. And then, then like, this, on the second room, I'm like, wait a minute. They're at the Smithsonian. <laughs> Use your ID badge to get access. Yeah, I was like, they're at the Smithsonian. How, why? N- number one, why is there a fueled-up plane on the runway? Yeah. That's not, I know I know for sure that's not protocol. <laughs> uh, secondly, like, how... Who left, the, who left the keys in there? Yeah. <laughs> Also, the dude's a World War One fighter pilot. I'm sure. I'm sure as hell he's never seen a jet before, or let, or let alone know how to like fly a jet engine. Jesus. Yeah. Here, here's the only thing that comforted me on my second viewing. The first viewing, I totally agreed. I thought they were like on an airport or like an airbase, and they were just stealing a plane. Um. So yeah, I will never get comfortable with the fact that like the Smithsonian has like, working jets on the runways that are fueled up. But the thing that comforted me was. He flips a couple switches first when he says, like, okay, power. And he flips two, and he's like, no, okay. And then flips, like, something else and immediately gets it. I would have liked if they dragged that flipping the wrong switches off, like, two or three times or for, like, a minute or two. And just, like, I I got this. Like, I I can figure it out. I can figure it out. This is what I do. I know how to do this. And, like, if he had joked, like, riffed a little bit there, I think that would have been a little bit better because it was. I missed that the first time. I missed him, like, getting the wrong switches. The second time I saw it, I was like, 
okay, they did what I wanted, but just didn't do enough of it. I guess, you know, I, not obviously speaking from experience, having no, I, I don't know the first thing about flying planes, but I'm, I, I would imagine that there's a very big difference between flying a propeller plane <laughs> and something that can, uh, something that you can hit a toggle on <laughs> and go much, much faster. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think they were toggles in World War One, but not that many dials that he had to look through. So it's right. it's just odd that he was able to figure it out so fast. But I guess this is one of those things we just got to like suspend disbelief and just be like, okay, he's a pilot. He figured it out. He wished to have those pilot skills. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We got, I got to, when we get to a little bit later on, I got to bring up one, one way that he could have finished this all, all up front. <laughs> I think there's a lot. <laughs> um, but I, I did like that this brought us the invisible jet, though. That was like a nice... Oh, my God. I Yeah. <laughs> which is such a hard thing for like, cartoons and shows to pull off, because it's like, how do you just have Wonder Woman sitting on air and flying around? Like, <laughs> I think they did a really good job with that. I'm recalling this little skit from Family Guy where... I was thinking of SpongeBob. <laughs> Wonder Woman's <laughs> on the invisible jet and like in, in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, how do you sit down for that? <laughs> yeah, that was good. You catch the little thing that she said of like, oh, I've 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 been trying I've been practicing this for for a bit. I I did it on a coffee cup once, but I lost the cup. Right, right. So it lasts a lot longer than she knew. <laughs> yeah, I I wonder then like how. Did she find the plane on the way back? Don't question that much. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's also nice to see Steve's Pop Tart guy. You know, that's, that's shout nice. out to Pop Tarts there. Shout out to Pop Tarts again. I'm still waiting for my Pop Tarts. <laughs> Where is it? How many Pop Tarts did he say he had? He had four of those and like six pints of coffee. Um, something like that. That's like dangerously <laughs> close to my daily routine. <laughs> Yeah, the poor thing is like the guy the guy that he's leaving the body back to he's suffering <laughs> the up now, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed him being back. I think most of our love scenes from this movie are are from the interactions between Steve and Diana. So I think they played off well. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do for the third one because back again. I was kinda hoping they would just keep him. Like find a way to get him to stay because i feel like he works so well in this universe and i feel like i don't know maybe it's just because the guy's a like the actor's a likable guy but i feel like the character there's so much you can do with him um that you know it, it wouldn't surprise me and honestly i don't think i would necessarily be opposed to them bringing him back for the third movie somehow oh my god no but he <laughs> was turned into like the kenny of the dc universe where like you keep killing steve and he keeps coming back yeah, I like where they ended up with him, you know, letting himself go. I think I think I get into this in a later scene that we talk about, but I really liked when he gives himself up to be like, you need to go, like, this isn't worth it. I've already had my life and you made it better. I, I loved when she learned to fly there and, like, that's her connection with him now. So, like, I think that can be left at that. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind if they bring him back down the line, but I do, yeah, I, I do like where they left things off here. Otherwise, um, she's like, she's growing like, emotionally, yeah. but for what point? Like, she could still have everything she wants. And it just feels like that's not the superhero way. You got to make a sacrifice. Yeah, plus she's got to get together with either Superman or, or Batman in the future, right? Like, that's that's what the internet is screaming. Nah, for, go right? for Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's got his queen already. No. That's how Flashpoint starts, man. We can't. Oh wait, I, I gotta. If you if you get a minute at some point this week, watch the movie called Flashpoint Paradox. It's an animated DC movie. I think you'll really like it. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll add it to the list. Add it to the list of never-ending things. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it's it, it's just an interesting side story with Wonder Woman and Aquaman at the somewhat center. Whoa, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Is what I'm getting to. But I, yeah, I, I I love I love the character of Steve. I hope. Um, you know, I like where they ended things off here, but if they do something with them in the future, great. Uh, but I think that there's something to, there's something to speak to about that chemistry. I feel like it reminds me of um, the one good thing that I liked about the Amazing Spider-Man movies, the Andrew Garfield and uh, Emma Stone ones. That was the chemistry between them, and I feel like Peter and Gwen worked really well in those movies and were the highlight of it for me. It's the same thing with with Wonder Woman, where but it's their relationship isn't the only highlight of in these movies for me, <laughs> as opposed to that was the one redeeming factor of those other movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you there. All right, let's get to the villains. Uh, Barbara, Barbara. Minerva. Okay, all right, let's start with Barbara. Yeah, Kristen Wiig's character. I think she knocked it out of the park with this one. I think she showed off all of her like her whole range. She was the SNL funny character at parts. She's the like text, like the textbook nerd who can, you know, read through a stack of cards and figure out the history of the rock sh- that they're searching for. Uh, and then she played a pretty, pretty powerful superhero. Super villain. I say hero. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, there was that one sequence where I was rooting for her. Um, she was beating up the rapist. Yeah, like who would have <laughs> for that? I, really, I was like, yeah. When the homeless man came around the corner, and I was like, dude, mind your business. <laughs> mind your business. <laughs> it was like the stormtrooper from the last Mandalorian or the second to last Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> He's just getting his lunch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think she did. I think she did a really good job in this. I think they may have progressed her character a little too fast, but it's also like you have to make cuts somewhere. So just give us like enough to see that she was a like not love like not lovable i generous person at the beginning not that yeah. she wasn't lovable but just like people didn't give her the chance right i would have liked if they played off her like insecurities a little bit more where she like she kind of hinted at it in that conversation with diana when they were getting drinks was like I always hear people talking behind my back and they don't think I can hear that but I I can hear them guys like I think they should have played off with like that stuff. Like that should have been the reason she didn't want to renounce her wish because like nobody's really ever loved her before. Or and I guess she did say something along those lines, but it, it's really left to the audience to put it together. You're shown the sequence in the beginning, and it's like it's like she's the most hated person, hated or, or forgotten person in that office. So I, I guess that's kind of meant to to build the case for that i i I thought i thought kristen wick did a great great job with what she had i just feel like the character wasn't utilized um to the best of 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 its ability and i think that they made some pretty poor choices in trying to shoot it because she her character feels very shoehorned in um and the reason why i say that is because uh cheetah's a a big character in the comics she's the joker to wonder woman's batman per se like she's the arch nemesis of wonder woman Mm -hmm. So I feel like they really, what I was hoping to see was a setup for what she will eventually become in this movie. 
And I feel like they gave us a very rushed version of that um, for the sake of just getting her to a point where she's a physical threat to Diana, which, you know, you and I talked about this offline, but I feel like they could have had Maxwell Lord be that in some other capacity. You know, I, I think that there is something to say about the importance of a physical threat to Wonder Woman, but at the same time, it's like you don't need to butcher a character's progression just for the sake of that. I liked what I liked the scenes that she was in. I think she did a great job. I just feel like she was underutilized, and she wasn't given the proper uh, fleshing out that they probably should have. Um, and that, that that's where I deviate a little bit with this movie because I feel like if if there's anything that I that I can cling on to that to say that I really had an issue with, it's Cheetah because there's so many other ways that you could play her part and just kind of remove her. And the movie isn't going to be all that much worse or all that much better for it. Um, but from a, like a pacing perspective, you you could really do away with a lot of the cheetah stuff. Other than the physical threat, there's not that much else that I thought she added to it. Yeah, I, I do agree that they could have twisted the plot. Like if they were going to remove her, they could have twisted Maxwell to be like siphoning people's strength to become a powerful adversary. That wouldn't have been totally true for comics. So I... I disagree. I think they do. I mean, it depends on what they do with the third one, but I think they do set her up for coming back to the third because it's a little tricky with the rules for the wish granting, but essentially you have to renounce your wish or you, your wish had to have been granted by the, by Maxwell who ultimately renounced his wish, which gave up everyone else's. So it's a little odd that everyone had to renounce their wish after he had done so. Maybe they were just doing it for right. the for the <laughs> looking good, but uh, like for appearances' sake. So she lost her like heightened abilities and like her cat like appearance when Maxwell gave up his powers. But during the time when everyone else was renouncing their wish, she just like stared off into the sunset and didn't renounce hers. So she's still quote unquote like Diana. Yeah, she's still. I think she still has those powers. She's just not a cat from the cast of 2019's Cats. Yeah, they took that away from her. Um, so I think they could bring her back as like, hey, remember when you tried to shock me to death? <laughs> like now, now we'll get even kind of thing. Yeah, I, so I, I'm hoping that they when they when they announced work on Suicide Squad two, I thought for sure we're gonna see Cheetah there because like she's she's been part of the, the that team too, and it'd be a way to bring her back into it. Um. And from the details that we know about Wonder Woman 3, it's supposed to... The, the director, Patty Jenkins, has said that she's done playing in the past, so she's going to bring Wonder Woman to modern times. Right. So I'm hoping if she did make her like Diana, if the wish made her like Diana, then that also means her the aging aspect of it. Because otherwise she'd be a really, really old cheetah. Did you like that character design that they did for her? Yeah, and I like the kind of like setup for it before when obviously Maxwell is the one who almost sort of designs her and it, you can see his influence when she says apex predator if you look back at his office it's covered in like cheetah skins and prints and like blankets that are all like cheetah print so it kind of makes sense that like that's how he interpreted it when she said apex predator that's a horrific image to me though like i if I, if I were wishing for that, it'd be very specific to make sure I don't end up looking like that. <laughs> I don't think she cared. I think she liked it. It seems like she definitely did. Oh, Barbara. 
what right you've done. The, right up to the point where Wonder Woman just grabs her like a, like a person would grab a cat and just flung her. <laughs> yeah, she she did a. Uh... What's I don't know what you call it the, the, when you grab them by the skin of their back. You know, like <laughs> people do that in the past. There's so many cat puns in that fight that could be um, a good source for memes. Yeah, for sure. But let's get into the last guy, Maxwell Lord. I yeah. think, uh, I think, what's his name? Pedro Pascal. Yeah. I think he does a, he does like, we, I think we said the last episode, he does a great good guy and also a great bad guy. Yeah, I still see him as Mando right now. So I was like, Mando, what are you doing? Well, he Not played like... a father figure in this one. <laughs> That's true. <It's> a pretty <laughs> poor one, but. <laughs> kind of a loser. <laughs> yeah, Maxwell Lord. Okay, so I, I thought that. This was a character who had an arc that was very interesting to me, and I feel like I didn't really appreciate it the first time. Yeah. Um, I still feel like there's a little bit of like lack of clarity in terms of what his motivation is, other than getting out of depth and not being a fraud, per se. Um, it's just, I feel like he's missing a little bit of um, fleshing out, but he was an interesting character because... He is the exemplified version of of greed. He almost could have been one of those like original sins that we see in the Shazam movie. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but um, he, I, I feel like he did a great job with his. There was some points where he was overacting a lot, but I think that that's that that was kind of par for the course for this kind of role. Um, I didn't. I, I feel like his powers were where I had issues because they almost like set up these rules just to break them. You know, like the magic is a little bit hard to follow. Yeah, it's like they knew they were going to get rid of him by the end of this episode. So it's like they phoned it in to be like, "Ah, why fully develop it if we're just going to get rid of him in an hour? Also, he wasn't able to grant second wishes to anybody but Barbara. Well, he was able to. Yeah, and then it's also just like, I don't know recognizing that the grass isn't always greener like it's the like what steve said you know it's careful what you wish for it's all just a lie um which i felt like yes it is a little cheesy for a superhero movie but it's also it's a refreshing take like you don't have to have a thanos show up or a steppenwolf show up you can just have like let me fight i'm fighting for the general public and what's something that each of them can have is this this feeling of greed and not wanting to give back something that you didn't have to work for. Right. I love, I, I did, especially like when it comes to, to Maxwell Lord, it, it was always more and more and more and more like what, how much more can I push the, the boundaries of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very much like, I liked the, the way that they played out once he took over all the airwaves and started quote unquote, touching everyone. <laughs> yeah. Through the particles. Um, having that montage of people being like, oh, drop dead. I wish you would drop dead. Or I wish <laughs> I love the instant ice deportations of all the Irish. Folks. Damn, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was very fast. Yeah. Some of the wishes, like this is where the rules need to be established. Like why do some things take two seconds to set, like be granted and have their consequence show up? And then other things are like, it took the entire movie for Diana's powers to dwindle. Right. Right, it was like it, it. It was siphoning off of it, and originally I thought because of what 
Barbara wished for. I thought she was like gaining her powers yeah. while Diana was losing, and right. it's nothing to do about that. It's just that they each like Diana happened to have her monkey's paw be where she loses her powers. Right. That that um the other thing too is like it, for me at least on my first viewing I found it very confusing as to what Maxwell Lord was ultimately trying to do because originally I thought okay he wanted to strike gold per se right. Um, by getting as many investors in this oil um, scam that he has. Uh, but then it's like he took over the world's oil. Okay, then what? And they, he, like, it was never really clear what his ultimate end goal was. Like, yeah, he's going to grant all these wishes to his people, but clearly he's dying too. I he think that was the point. It's not that he had a specific direction other than more. And so, like, the thing that he's currently doing. Whatever it is, he wants more of it. So he's currently looking for oil. He wants the majority of the world's oil supply. And then he's looking for power. Like, he's looking for health. He wants to touch more people. Like, that was the whole thing. What's going to happen when he, like, can no longer have anybody to grant wishes for on Earth? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he thought that far ahead, which I thought was really cool that they put the Stone's history in all of the societies that just had, like, random downfalls that like are unexplainable so those are the main characters let's do a real quick couple scenes uh each one we loved one we hated um i think for me the one that like ultimately sits out that like when i go back to my grading scale the one that knocks it for being part of like a trilogy or anything like that is the opening scene the flashback you know i'll get over the whole truth speech it's not like it i guess it sort of plays into the ending however cheesy it was the thing that really got me was like Diana's mom was like totally supportive of her being in this contest of champions, but she would not have been in the first movie. Like she didn't allow her daughter to start training or doing anything physical until she was like a teenager. Yeah. She was like 13, 12, I think. Yeah. And in this movie, she must've been like nine. Like she was so afraid that Ares would have found her because she was testing her powers. Like it made it made no sense to me. So that's it's simple things like okay, I get you don't want to fall in line with the timeline of Justice League and Batman vs Superman and all that stuff, but at least stay in line with the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah, I I found it a little um, surprising, I guess, that we weren't trying to at least adhere to some of the continuity, especially since. Uh, Patty Jenkins was very uh, supportive of Zack Snyder and his vision for those original films. So, um, yeah, I, I, I hear you there. Yeah. What about you? A, a scene dislike I, scene. A scene that I disliked. Um, I mean, it's hard to have. I have five. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know where I should begin. <laughs> I think if there's one scene that I, I disliked, it would probably be the um hmm, let's see yeah it it would probably be the the fight sequence between um cheetah and and wonder woman i just it didn't really do all that much for me and it it seemed kind of like wedged in in there and i'll talk about the second one rushed it was like the in when you're going to fight the pokemon gym leader and you have to fight his cronies first now, you know, you know what I equate this to, man? It's like you're going you you're going up to fight the Elite Four. You're expecting to fight Lance, the Pokemon, the the Elite, the Master of the Elite Four, but you end up fighting Gary or yeah. Blue or whatever you call him, Oof. which is your rival from Palatown. 
I was bummed. I yeah. <laughs> no, no, Gary. Like step a level out of there. thirty-five Pidgeot by now. All right, man, we get it. Yeah, <laughs> like step out of the plate. Let me fight the Dragon Master. That's what I'm here for, man. Like, no, no, we're yeah. not doing this. <laughs> yeah, there were there were probably a couple other ones I would put on the list, but just for the essence of time, I feel like those are pretty pretty good scenes that I I agree with yours. Um, but as far as like scenes that we loved, I know we talked about it before, but I definitely want to go back to it. Just like. Steve getting dressed by Diana and then also like going to the Smithsonian, like all of it, like his face, his facial expressions to seeing like new things and just like his awe struck is everything that we wanted from Steve Rogers that we didn't get in Captain America. Uh, I just like the juxtaposition of just the role changes here where this is one time where they did pay attention to Wonder Woman one and how it flipped the script to this one. Yeah, I felt like that was a really good scene too to to kind of cement, I guess, the that relationship that they have. The scene that I most um, can kind of check off as being like the 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 thing that did it for me for this movie is the scene where Diana renounces her wish. Yeah, uh, I feel like it it did it did hit me emotionally, which I was kind of surprised because I'm usually an emotionless guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty cold-hearted when it comes to, to, to fiction. Um, no, it it, it 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 got to me in the sense where I'm like, oh, this is poetic in a really weird, strange way. Because, like, she loses Steve the first time out of her hands. You know, it's like it was his decision to sacrifice himself. And then here she's choosing to sacrifice him for, again, for the greater good. So yeah, she doesn't, he doesn't give her that much of a choice. But no, no, he 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 doesn't. But it's also like it's a really cool character moment where, you know, this is the reason why she is Wonder Woman. Yeah, I loved it, and it was just like the the it was such a good scene of like pain and healing at the same time. Like, like literally, when she's running down the street, you see her wounds start to heal up, even though she's like just bursting into tears. It's so hard to watch, but also it's like, okay, we got our superhero back. And it's like spiritually healing when she's like takes off and starts to fly in the sky and like she can hear Steve's voice of like flying is super easy and it's like it's the thing that'll connect us in the future. Yeah, it 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 was very emotional. It was very powerful. I really really thought that that scene stuck out a lot to me. Um, and I to the, almost to the point that I can't really find like its equivalent in in the first Wonder Woman. Yeah, I know a lot of people were searching for the No Man's Land scene. And it's like, I kind of think it was that one. Like, No Man's yeah. Land was, for those who haven't seen Wonder Woman 1, was this pivotal moment of her, like, actually breaking out her powers in the real world and going between the, what is it, the British trenches and the German trenches, or yeah. just the Allies, whatever. The, the Allies, yeah. Yeah. And it was just, like, breaking the German lines by becoming a superhero. And I think it was this scene where she's becoming the superhero again as like giving something up to to gain more to like save the day yeah this is where she goes full-on spider-man and swings with her lasso of truth on the lightning yeah and i thought it was cheesy in the trailer but i was kind of into it in the in the movie that lasso is like an entity in itself because like it doesn't behave the way that any sort of lasso would it just kind of does what it wants to do Hey, here's the other critique I heard. Like, I some people weren't cool with it. The lasso being also like telling 
people the truth or telling people history. I felt like it was set up that, for that very briefly and not said at all. But in the first Wonder Woman, Ares shows her like what could be through the lasso, right? Like I felt like it indicated that the lasso had more than just the truth telling powers. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not something that's original, I guess, to this, right? It, I, I feel like that's a power from the comics as well. Yeah, so I, I was a little surprised to hear some some sources say that, but just wanted to get your take on that. People are gonna complain about everything. I feel like it's. I, you know what? You almost surprised me the most out of this, though. Like before we hopped on here, the Rotten Tomatoes audience score and the Terrible. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Wait, I only saw their overall. I saw it got like a 64 or something like that. What was their uh, That was their, their critic score. And I think the audience score was almost as low last time I checked. Hang on, let me, let me pull it up real quick. But it's just, uh, there were a lot, there's a lot of people saying like this is a very divisive movie. Yeah, audience got a 72 and then critics got 62. That's surprising to me. You know, because I feel like, I feel like this was at least... Like, a B average. Yeah, I'd like I if I had to give it a, a percentage, I'd go with like seventy five percent or so. Like, oh, you're still going that low. I was going like eighty three, eighty four. Like, I could see going that high too. But I'm saying like if if we want to be like super conservative on it, like I would put it on the seventies. Sixty two. I don't know how it dropped that much. Like, I I still don't know where a lot of the critical consensus is i'm surprised more so about the audience score being at 72 because normally these these flicks are at least you know an 80 or and above i'm more of a metacritic guy anyway <laughs> oh yeah. god they gave it a 59 <laughs> <laughs> never Jeez. mind forget metacritic <laughs> it's just i i don't see the prime issues that a lot of people have here like i said i, I have my problems with it i feel like it's not a perfect movie, but I feel like if I remove some of the more, I guess, crucial nitpicks, right, that I have here, then I see a movie here that's better than the first one. It's a superhero movie. It's not meant to be right. like <laughs> Goodwill Hunting. Like, it needs to have its own grading scale. Yeah, that, and I feel like you know you can't necessarily look at the, the, the um. I guess a smaller pool, right, of of DC movies, and tell me that this movie sticks out like a sore thumb it doesn't this isn't the movie that you want to like launch a ton of critiques at because there's really not a lot from yeah a standpoint yeah you want to critique something like let's go back to bvs let's go back to suicide squad you know we, we can suicide squad especially i feel like that's the one yeah, that we, I, we forgot about that one in our last i wish i could have bleached my eyes and my <laughs> eardrums of that movie completely yeah what's this what's wonder woman 84 rated is it r no, it's rated uh, rated T for teen. <laughs> it's PG thirteen. How did I pull that off? It had so much blood in it. This movie had a lot of blood. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah one of them was like bleeding out of her shoulder the whole time. In Cairo. Um, was it PG thirteen? Yeah, it, it's PG thirteen. Wow, I, I'm just surprised for nailing the '80s vibe. They didn't put like many '80s songs in there. It was oh, all just like original scores i was waiting for a blue monday montage put that in the trailer and like not give it to me and i want like a full going on i need like the 80s feel of the music i will take everything negative i said back about cheetah if you interlay blue monday into that (laughs) yeah yeah 
Yeah, I, I think like this is one thing that can make a bad movie great. Like, look at okay, not that it's a bad movie, but look at like Guardians of the Galaxy. The fight sequence between like Ronan and them is pretty lame, but it the whole movie is saved because we get Peter Quill's awesome mixtape, awesome volume mixtape one or whatever. Like everyone loves that movie because of the soundtrack. I feel like they could have been like this is a guarantee home run if you just throw in like David Bowie, like if you just give us some good music, you know? Yeah, I, I was surprised that they didn't really go all, all in on it for that. And I feel like there's also, I think Guardians is a perfect example to kind of use it as because they did play off of that era of, of music. Yeah. And this is literally called Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, you had it there in the bag, and they just uh, they just they whiffed it. on it. Blue Monday, you you paid the rights for the trailer already. I know how this <laughs> stuff works. You guys have it in your library. Yeah, they yeah. should have been overusing it. <laughs> Dude, I would have used it for the credits, the end credits. I would have played it at places where it does it doesn't belong at, just to kind of get like my money. The mall sequence would have been perfect for it. Yeah, and then like David Bowie, like Spaceman, or like. Or Starman, I mean, like that would have been perfect for him flying. <laughs> Man, it would, missed out. It missed that opportunity there. But you know what? I did like the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. I, I there's something about that Wonder Woman theme, that like electric guitar sounding kind of thing. You, you get what I mean? Like the oh, I little, know. Yeah. Electric like, riff. Yeah, I'm like, oh damn! I feel like she got the best theme out of the three main uh, well, DC heroes. Yeah, I mean, you're not counting Aquaman, who had the best guitar riff guy. Uh, we don't talk about Aquaman on this podcast. Anymore. Yeah, but guitar riffs were huge in that movie. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, let's, let's real quick, before we wrap it up here, talk future of Wonder Woman and DC. So, like you mentioned before, Patty Jenkins confirmed she doesn't want to do anything in the past. So it's either going to be present day or just after Justice League. So what are we feeling like... It's going to be a while before we get Wonder Woman 3, but they're both confirmed oh, to direct and act in it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what she does with the third movie. Um, I am also a little concerned, not for Wonder Woman per se, right? but like I, I do know that... Um, and we probably should have talked this in the news segment, but <laughs> there was a recent interview, um, I believe it was with The Hollywood Reporter, uh, with Walter Hamada, who's the head guy over at Warner Brothers, and they talked about what the uh, plans are for for the future. <clears throat> I've been hearing stuff that, that we are getting ready to see a DCEU that's fleshed out both in the movies and I mean in the movie theaters and on HBO Max. So you'll basically start to see two D- four DC movies, two on HBO Max, and two in the theaters every year. That's the plan. Um, the next up DC movie, aside from, because um, I think the rebooted uh, Suicide Squad is up next, but then after that comes Flashpoint, which is Flash's standalone movie. Um, so depending on what happens in that movie, I'm sure it's going to have some ripple effect into the Wonder Woman franchise. I just hope we don't see things that are way too imbalanced that we can't necessarily just have a proper sequel to Wonder Woman to what's um just i know what you're talking about because i know everything but for just for the fans <laughs> who uh who don't know what flashpoint is yeah so so i don't i don't yeah, think they're following the story to the t right um 
for the movie. I highly doubt it because DC doesn't necessarily do that. But um, overall story of Flashpoint, uh, Flash misses his mom. He goes back in time to save her from her death, which uh, was, I think, the reverse Flash is who kills uh, Barry's mom. Right, reverse Flash, yep. Yeah, so he's, he's he saves his mom. That co- causes a ripple effect on all of the DC universe. So all of a sudden, the Atlanteans are fighting the Amazonians um, because Wonder Woman beheads the Queen of Atlantis. And then you have <laughs> Earth fighting, I mean, the humans fighting to try to prevent them from blowing up the planet. It's this huge, huge spectacle. But basically, in the in comic lore, they you the Flash basically fixes everything. Um, I guess the most exciting part about that is Bruce Wayne gets shot in the alley, not not his parents, and so his parents turn into Batman and the Joker. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really great storyline, though, honestly. Uh, but they use that to once Flash fixes everything, he basically reboots the whole DC lore. Um, so if they're doing that for the movie, I have you don't just use the name Flashpoint nonchalant like that, right? You, you're definitely going to reboot certain things or like change things. Well, they did tease time travel in Batman vs Superman, right? Like the Flash yeah. came back and said like he's not the enemy or something like that. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, and we we're supposed to be getting um, that. Like we're supposed to be getting like the the full on explanation from. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, that four-hour uh, thing. Justice League, not Batman vs Superman. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm just a little concerned that they might. The, the thing about the DCEU, there's certain aspects that I really like about it that I hope don't get erased, but then there are other aspects that I'm like, all right, you can go ahead and delete all this. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough one. In terms of what it does to this movie, though, I don't know, but I'm. I think because it takes place so far back. I hope that the character progression isn't impacted for the next one. Like I'd hate to see now like a villainous Wonder Woman as a result <laughs> of um of Flashpoint. Although it might be pretty cool to see Gal Gadot play a evil okay. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to decide on because it's like it, like regarding time travel and all that, it's just it can get frustrating because it's like it's how do you define time travel? Like we saw Marvel's take on it, um, right. and then it also it can kind of I don't want to say ruin franchises because like looking at like X Men, it certainly made those timelines much more confusing. Like those individual movies that went back in time, Days of Future right. Past, they were good as standalone but then there was like well what does that mean for x-men one two and three like where does that did those happen or are those still gonna happen like what's the ripple effect there right um so it definitely makes and then how that bled into logan so i hope they don't do time travel if they're trying to do a whole cinematic universe but just looking at wonder woman alone i hope they bring cheetah back and i hope she's like on a revenge mission and right. maybe, maybe we can explain the speech at the end of Wonder Woman one, where she's like, "I didn't get involved in humanity for another hundred years," and how 1984 <laughs> counts as not getting involved, um, <laughs> or World War Two. So there's still questions to be to be answered. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing that if depending on the success or lack of success of this Justice League cut, 
we may get Justice League 2 and 3 on HBO Max and like continue to see like this universe of characters on HBO Max. And then whatever comes out in theaters is going to be its own separate kind of thing. Yeah, I feel like it's just going to be the super fans that are going to watch the extended cut. It's confusing. I don't, I don't think the average fan is really going to care that it's coming out. Um, That's where my thoughts are too for it. It's just time commitment. And it's like if you don't really care about it, and even for people like me, where it's like, I didn't like the movie, so I might not just put more time into into it. So the Zack Snyder's Justice League episode is just going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> It'll be a four-hour rant about how I don't like some of the Zack Snyder stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I hope they... Uh, I mean, I I give them a little bit of leeway on, uh, on Wonder Woman 3. I hope they just fix up some of these continuity things. Um, I don't care if you keep it continuous with Justice League and those movies. Just right. keep it keep it in line with your with your trilogy that you're building. Just because it's hard to follow, it's hard to make sense of it if the mom is on board or not on board. I feel like DC movies work really well when they don't adhere to a shared universe. Yeah. And for some reason, every time they try to do a shared universe, it just doesn't work out for them. Yeah, with the exception of the Batman, Christian Bale. But even those weren't, like, totally connected to each other. Yeah. The only thing that was connected was that, like, eight years had passed between the two, the second and the third. Other than that, it was, like, well, still, like nobody talked about Joker in the third movie. Nobody it, talked about it. Like, yeah, but they were, its own, they were their own thing, you know, like, that's... Right, and I think, you're, I think that is, goes to what you're saying, is that DC just does better when it's, like, an individual movie. It's this hero versus this villain. Right. As long as Wonder Woman 3 makes sense with Wonder Woman 1 and 2, I think we're good. We're solid. I think so, too. But yeah, so that's our that's our take on uh, Wonder Woman. We both recommend it, both liked it, probably a little bit more than Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but yeah, definitely so more than Metacritic. Definitely, definitely more than Metacritic. Uh, step your game up over there. Yeah. But if you think we missed anything, if you think we were right on the nose with some things and you just want to talk to us about it, uh, feel free to reach out. Our email is behind the fourth wall podcast at gmail.com, fourth being four th, or hit us up hit us up on Twitter, bt fourth wall, four again being the number. Uh, other than that, we'll we'll we got a few other episodes coming down the pipeline, um, and just kind of holding out until Wandavision comes out. Super psyched about Wandavision. Oh, and if you haven't seen it, definitely uh, we would both recommend go see the. Uh, director's cut edition of Mandalorian season two on Disney plus gives a lot of good background on the making of it. Oh my God. Yeah. I wish we had eight episodes of that thing, but it's just one, but it's an hour. So it's a good way. It's a good way to kill an hour. (laughs) There are worse ways. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. 